we are in the middle of a series on the fruit of the Spirit, and what we've been talking about is the idea that when we're born, we're born sinners in need of a Savior. So God comes to the earth and pays for our sin. He lives a sinless life. He dies on the cross, and he offers us salvation. And when you and I come to a realization that we're a sinner in need of a Savior, and we accept God's gift of eternal life, we ask God to forgive us our sin, we ask God to come into our lives and be a part of our lives, um, we become a Christian. And at that point, what God does is, and we're using the analogy of a, of a tree, so to speak, as a sinner, we have grown up with a root system that's sourced in sin. And so God doesn't yank the tree out and replant us. What God does is he takes that tree, so to speak, and cuts it off. And he grafts onto it himself. So we can, we can produce different kind of fruit now. The root doesn't determine how we act. The fruit does. But as in any grafted tree, what happens is the rootstock continually wants to shoot up sprouts to take away energy from the fruit. And so we've talked about in the biology world, those are known as suckers, and that's exactly what Satan will do. He will continually try to produce stuff from your rootstock, from my rootstock, that keep us from responding and having the kind of fruit that God wants us to have. And so in Galatians chapter 5, uh, which is where we're going to look, where it's kind of our, our, our jumping off point, um, he tells us uh, the fruit of the Spirit is... and. It's interesting, he doesn't say the fruits of the Spirit are. He says the fruit of the Spirit is because it's one fruit, but it has nine characteristics. It has nine aspects to it. And so each aspect is what we've been talking about. We're talking about love, joy, and peace. Um, the idea that um, you can act, the fruit that you can have as a Christian is you can act in a loving way even though people are unloving towards you. God allows you the ability to do that. He gives you that that characteristic. But you have to choose that. You have to encourage that. Um, joy. You can have joy in spite of circumstances. Joy isn't dependent on your circumstances. Joy is dependent on your heart attitude. Um, peace. You can have peace in the midst of turmoil. You can have peace in the midst of dis difficulty. Um, you can have a calmness about what's happening, that God's in control and God will take care of it. Uh, forbearance or patience. It's the idea that um, we can trust God to work in God's time. And uh, kindness, we talked about last week, the idea of hesed, the idea of that loving loyalty kind of thing, that, that idea that God sticks with us and that, that, that we, can, we can be kind in the way we talk to people, in the way we interact with people. And so this morning we're going to talk about goodness. Um, I got, somebody asked me this week, they're like, okay, goodness, really? I mean, what does the Bible have to say about goodness? A whole lot, you're going to find out this morning. Um, and some people put kindness and goodness together. Uh, when they talk about the fruit of the Spirit, I don't. I see them as two very, very different things, and I think I'll, I'll give you some insight this morning as to why and, and kind of give you a little bit better idea. When we talk about the idea of, of goodness, um, you need to understand there's a whole bunch of Old Testament concepts, so I'm going to rattle them off. By the way, it's mentioned a lot in the Old Testament, about 720 times, so even more than love. Um, and so, anyway, here's the idea. There's the idea of practical material good, something that, uh, something, uh, that, that is good, something that is desirable, uh, is, is known as, as good, uh, something that has quality or expense to it. You know, you, you buy something and go, okay, that's, that's good quality stuff is kind of a concept. 
Um, moral goodness, the idea of depart from evil, choose good, uh, is, a, is an Old Testament idea. Um, a good name is to be chosen above riches. The idea of your, your character, your testimony, um, your legacy, so to speak. When we look at this idea of goodness, though, we find a lot dealt with in the book of Genesis. Genesis 1 through 3, actually. I'm not going to look at that this morning, but I'm going to talk about it. So Genesis 1 through 3, let's just think about it for a minute. Those of you who are familiar with your Bible, we have a world of chaos. There's, it's, it's, it's formless. It's, it's void. And what does God do? God takes that void stuff and he creates. He creates light and dark. And what does God say after he does that? It is good. Right out the bat, you don't, get, you don't get three verses into the Old Testament and God's not talking about goodness. In other words, the idea is that God takes something out of nothing and creates something that is good. And over and over again, God, every day that he creates something, it ends with the idea, and God did this, and it was good. <clears throat> it's very, very interesting. You know what the only thing that God does that, at which he says it's not good? It is not good that man's alone, so he makes a helper suitable for him. In other words, God said, look, as I look at everything that I've done, the one thing that I think we're missing here is the idea that man is by himself. And so he introduces this idea, this concept of marriage. And you need to understand marriage is a God-given thing. And it was given between a man and a woman. And it was given before the fall. So it is in a perfect world that God establishes this idea of marriage. It's, it's not a social thing like society wants to tell you. No, this is a God thing. Okay? And so it's the idea here that God has put man and woman together. And all of a sudden, we now have creation as you and I know it. Genesis chapters 1 and 2. <clears throat> we now get into a situation where when God creates man, and this is actually, I got a little ahead of myself, when God creates man before a woman comes along. God tells Adam, he gives him a job, he says, take care of the garden. He gives him a restriction. Adam, everything here is yours. Enjoy it all. Except. There's one tree you can't eat of. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There's our concept again. There's a concept again of goodness. He says, okay, you can, everything's yours except that tree. That's the one tree you can't eat of. Now, that's what God told him. At some point, he then conveys to Eve, then Eve comes along, and he has to convey to Eve, God never told Eve not to eat of it. Adam had to tell Eve about it. And Adam tells Eve, you can't even touch it. So Adam messes it up because he adds to what God said. And so Satan then comes into the picture. And just like Laura talked about this morning, Satan now comes into the picture. And what is the first thing Satan does? And this, is, this is really important for us to understand. He questions whether or not God was good to them. He's looking at it going, did God really say you can't touch it? And he touches it. Well, God didn't say he couldn't touch it. God said he can't eat of it. And, Adam, and Satan, talking to Eve, and by the way, before you want to blame the women for everything, guys, okay, let's get this really, really clear. 
Read your Bible. Because the Bible says, guess who's standing next to her? Adam. Because it says when she eats, she turns around and gives to her husband who's there. So Adam is the first passive man who doesn't do what he's supposed to do. So he's just as responsible for this mess as she is. And if you and I were there, we would have done the same thing. Okay? So we have this situation where Satan comes along and he says, Hey, Adam, Eve, listen, here's the deal. The reason God doesn't want you to eat of it is because God's not good to you. God's keeping something from you. I mean, he's good. He'd let you have everything. I mean, it's called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So he knows that this really provides good. If you eat of this, you're going to have insight you don't have right now. And that was true. Because for the first time, they were going to understand good and evil. Until then, they didn't know anything but good. So he comes along and gets her to question whether or not God's good to them. Listen, this is fundamental, folks. You think about any struggle you've had in your life. Has that not been one of Satan's temptations? Well, God's not good to you. If God was really good to you, this wouldn't have happened. If God really loved you, this wouldn't have happened. If God really cared about you, this wouldn't happen. God's trying to keep something from you. God's not doing something for you. God's keeping something from you. This is fundamental. So this idea of goodness and questioning the goodness of God in our lives sends us down a pretty dangerous path. So I, I want you to understand that because as we dive into this, that's going to play more and more into it. So let's deal with some of the Bible concepts um, when we talk about goodness. Um, uh, here we go. Here's the first one. Oh, I should have shown you that slide. All right. <clears throat> Genesis 1.31. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. So right off the fact, here's the thing that you need to understand about God. God's a good God. When God gets involved, it's good. When God touches it or creates it or gets involved with it, it's something that's going to be good. And you're going to see that reiterated when we get into the New Testament. So that's what you need to understand. You need to understand, first and foremost, Genesis chapter 1, God's a good God. Right at the bat, you've got to understand that. Notice what he goes on to, listen to what David said. You are good, and what you do is good. Teach me your decrees. David said, God, look, the one thing I know about you is you're good. Lord, you've got to teach me how to be good too. That was David's prayer. And notice how David, wanted, how David realized he had to learn it. We, we, the, you don't see this quote very often. It was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. David has this incredible insight that, that only mature Christians can have. And it's the idea of this. In your affliction and in your difficulty, you can learn an awful lot about the goodness of God. Sometimes it's the only way you can learn it. We look at it as affliction's a bad thing. So when difficulty comes, we're saying, God, why did you do this? God, how come this is happening to me? We see it as something to escape from. David sees it as an issue to turn him towards God. And this is what I would challenge you with. Anytime difficulty or afflictions or circumstances don't go your way, there's always going to be two choices. One choice is to turn towards God and become better. 
The other, cho- the other choice is to turn away from God and become bitter. And you and I have seen it. You've, if you've lived any length of time, you have watched people who have come up against difficult circumstances and turned bitter. And you've also seen people who've come up against difficult circumstances and turned better, turned towards God and become more, more solid in their faith, more solid in their belief. This is what David's prayer was. David said, look, I want to learn about you during those difficult times because I fundamentally understand you're good. Um, when you get to the book of Romans, it's interesting. Um, uh, he talks about the idea that, that God's... Uh, let me jump to it. There you go. Listen to Romans 12. Don't be conformed. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. I like what some versions say. Don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may be able to test and prove what God's will is. What is God's will? Here it is. Good, pleasing, and perfect. Want to know what God wants for your life? His will. His plan. You want to know what his plan is? Good, pleasing person. That may, it may not be your plan. It may not be the way you think it's going to be. You know, like, okay, God, if you're good to me, then I should have X, Y, and Z. No, no, no. God says, no, I know what's best for you. Because I have a bigger plan than you do. And right off the bat, one of the things that he says is, my plan for your life is good. I have a good plan for your life. Notice what Romans eight twenty eight says. And we know that all things, and all things God works for the good of those that love him, who have been called according to his purpose. He said, this is what you need to be assured of, that I can take any situation, any situation, and make good come out of it. I didn't say it was going to be easy. I didn't say it was going to be hard. I didn't say it was going to be pleasant. But you give me a chance, and I will take anything and make good come out of it if you'll learn to trust me. You find that in Genesis. He takes a world without shape and form and void and creates what you and I enjoy every day. He creates that out of nothing. What do you think he can do with something? Whether good or bad, he can take something and make good come out of it. That's the promise of Romans 8.28, that God loves you and God cares about you. And whatever you have or whatever you're going through, God can make something good come out of it. When you've done my job long enough, here's what you'll learn. That is more true than you could ever realize. Because I have watched incredible situations where I thought, this is hopeless. And I've watched God bring good out of it. I've watched God bring incredible things out of it. And I've watched situations where difficult situations, people have turned and wanted nothing to do with God. And it has made them bitter. And then I have watched the spiral, you know. And I've watched that bitterness turn and turn and turn. And before you know it, they don't have any friends and no one wants to be around them. And then the whole world is sour. And it's important for you and I to understand that, look, God can take anything and make good come out of it. So this idea of goodness is, is fundamental. Um, his, it didn't, again, it doesn't mean it's going to turn out like you want it. But it'll turn out the way that God seems best. Okay? So... Let's jump into the practical things, um, because that's really where I want to get to anyway. Here's the first thing. Goodness is essential to our lives. We don't think about it. 
But you have to recognize and you have to acknowledge this fact that God is a good God. And I, don't, I think sometimes we forget that. I think sometimes we get so caught up in this world that we think our life ought to go a certain way. And so anytime something difficult or hard or unpleasant happens in our life, we're like, what did I do and why is God mad at me? God's good to us. It, it, it's where you're going to put your focus when the difficult times come. Um, this past week, um, I, uh, our house is 20 years old, so we're at the process now where, you know how it goes, you know, you think you get all the stuff remodeled like you want it, and now you go back and start doing it all over again. Well, that's where we are, okay? So that's, that's, what, that's where we are. So um, I started in the basement, replacing ceiling tiles that were used when we got them, and it's like, okay, we're going we're gonna to redo the ceiling tiles. Then I thought, I got to look at the ceiling tile. I got the ceiling tiles all out, and I looked at the plumbing, and I thought, oh, you know, at some point, this stuff's going to. So PEX is the new thing, so I decided to run all new PEX. Well, then as I started to do that, I started to realize, you know what? I've got, a, I've got that, that bathroom upstairs off of the living room that I should probably do that too while I'm here because, you know, I mean, I've got all the stuff. So, so the other day I decided, okay, let's, let's do the bathroom thing. So I, I did the, upstairs, the, the bathroom on the main floor. And uh, I, I love using shark bite fittings when you're trying to connect new stuff to old stuff and stuff like that. And, and I, in my lifetime, I've probably put in over 100 of those things. So I'm really comfortable with them. I know how they work and da-da-da. So I get these shark bite fittings. And when I went to hook up the one um, toilet deal, it's just like, boy, it's just something not right. It just didn't go together like it should go together. And I thought, well, you know what? I'll turn the water on and I'll see. So I turned the water on. No leak. No leak, no drip. I'm looking at it going, oh, okay. I go to bed that night, never thought a thing about it again. Um, next morning, uh, I'm getting stuff, and I thought, you know what? I need to get some pipe. I had some pipe outside that I was going to get inside. So I'm going to go ahead and bring that and put that in the basement so, you know, then I don't keep running over it with a car and then it wreck it and all that. Thing. I go downstairs, and there is water everywhere. I mean, there is water everywhere. I got walls the walls where you come down start you know you know there's water when the paint starts bubbling okay and it bubbles out and then and so I'm going what in the world and sure enough so I try to figure it out I thought, you know what I bet it's that toilet supply line I go up and look and that thing's beep, 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 all the way down and uh, fortunately in our basement we have this kind of stuff and this is great stuff for a basement because all you do is dry it all out you can pull it up put it outside dry it off put it back uh, but have two rooms down there that we have regular carpet in with the pad, you know. They got into one of those rooms in Josh's room, in that, Josh's old room, and it's just so. And so I'm like, well, I know the routine. I've been through enough floods. I know the routine. So I start cutting stuff out. I start hauling stuff out. And sure enough, it was, you all have one of those. You have a closet where if you don't know where to put anything, you throw it into? Okay, okay. That was the closet, okay. That was the closet it had in there. And a ceiling tile would come down, clothes. Everything. So anyway, so I'm hauling all of this stuff out. I'm going through this whole project. Now look, normally that kind of thing would have sent me over the edge. But you know what? I, I honestly, I, I, it just didn't rattle my cage. I'm like, okay, it's a mess. But I thought, you know what? I know what we hauled out of Hornick during the flood. This is all clean water. And I thought, you know what? I got to replace the carpet, but you know what? I probably should replace the carpet anyway, so I'm just going to do it now. And you know what? I have the money to do it. And no, this wasn't on my agenda for this week. 
But you know what? I can do it. I don't have to hire it done. I don't have to put on everybody else. And just started rattling off in my head the things that, like, this could have been a lot worse. Because there are times I don't go to that basement for a week. Could have been a whole lot worse. The question is, what, what path are you going to choose when, when difficulties happen? Are you going to talk the good things or the bad things? Because it really shapes how you handle stuff. And, and the idea of, I started looking at it going, you know what? I mean, I remember a time I didn't have a basement. And you know what? You know why I'm hauling junk out of the closet? Because I've been blessed to have a lot of junk. I mean, it's crazy it is. Now, believe me, I'm looking at it going, okay, God, don't bless me anymore. I'm going to get rid of this, okay? I've been blessed enough with junk in this closet. I told my wife, I said, we're going through all the boxes. I said, we're, we're, going, we're making dump runs. But, I mean, it's one of those deals where I think the way you and I approach life, again, was God good to me that day? Yes. Wait a minute, that wasn't a good thing. It doesn't matter if it's a good thing. God was good to me that day. Did I want to focus on the ways he had blessed me, or did I want to focus on the difficulty that I was struggling with? That's the choice. That's the choice. And I think it is so important for us to step back and really, really, really wrestle with this idea of how good God has been to us. Uh, Romans says it this way. Um, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to that which is good. In other words, you take the goodness and you hold on to it and you start to realize that, you know what, when I start to question God's goodness to me, I embrace evil when I do that. That hurts me in the long haul. That's not healthy for me. And that's why the writer says, cling to that which is good. Step back and really, really look at it. Um, People will treat you wrong. You haven't figured that out yet. Listen to what the writer of Romans says. Do not be overcome by evil. But overcome evil by good. Yeah, I forgot to put these on the screen. Uh, but be overcome evil with good. How do you respond when somebody does something to you? The same way they treated you? Or do you respond with goodness? This is really, really important. We went to my wife. We, I can't tell you last time we went out. We finally went out Friday night. We had our schedules were a little crazy. I said, hey, look. I said, what, how about we just meet somewhere? So um, we, we met at Applebee's and, and hadn't been there in a long time. So we're at Applebee's and um, it was insane. Okay. I mean, people were lined up. I got there just before the crowd got started. We got this poor waitress. I felt so sorry for her. She had this big, huge table. They had all these kinds of bizarre requests. She forgot everything for us. She forgot the, 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 the drink. She forgot the silverware. She forgot the napkin. She was forgetting everything. And she was just panic mode. And she was working her tail off. She was working so hard. You know? And it would have been easy for me to sit there and go, you know, come on, come on. You know, this is ridiculous. Da, 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 da. I just looked at her and I said, I said, look, I said, you're doing a great job. I said, this is such a, I said, we're just surprised at how crazy. And at one point, she actually just stood there and talked to me like a human being, because I think that's the first time anybody had treated her like a human being all, all her shit. 
we get bent out of shape and we want to tell people what we think instead of treating them with goodness. Um, I, I, listen, I, I cannot tell you how important I think this is for your mental, spiritual, emotional health. Um, and some of you know this. I've shared it with some of you. Um, I did this about two or three years ago. And I actually pulled it up last night. It was the first time I'd done it in probably almost a year probably. I have, I heard a pastor who did this, and it so impressed me that I thought, you know what, that's what I want to do. So I started this, and it's called a do not cry for me list, okay? It's on my computer. Don't cry for me. Literally, that's outside. When, it, when I die, search it. Don't cry for me. You'll find it. It's in Microsoft somewhere in a document thing. But anyway, so it says don't cry for me. And here's what it does. Here's what I did. I started thinking back over my life. And I started thinking about all of the things in my life that I've gotten to experience. And I started putting it on paper. And then I started putting it in a paragraph form so it's, you, so it's actually readable instead of just listing stuff. I started listing stuff out, and then I started putting them kind of in groups and putting them together in paragraph thing. But I thought, you know what? At some point, I'm going to die, and, and people are going to want to know what to say, and some people are going to say stuff I don't want them to say, and other people won't say stuff that I do want them to say. So I thought, since I'm a little bit of a control freak, I want to control what they're going to say. So... Here's what I did. So I started this whole thing about don't cry for me. This is what I've got to do. This is what I've got to experience. This is what God has done in my life. This is what I've been able to see. This is what I've been able to give. And this is what I've been able to enjoy. Don't cry for me. It's been a great run. And every once in a while, you know, what I've started doing now is, is like when I come across things, I'll, I'll just bullet point it and then I'll go back later and, and look at it. But it's been, a long, been all over a year since I looked at it. So last night, or last, I think it was last night. Last night or the night before. Um, I just started reading through it. And I thought, man, if this thing ends tomorrow, what a great run. Because God has been so incredibly kind. It's kind of the old deal, count your blessings, name them one by one. And it'll surprise you what God's done. That's the idea. And when you look at your life through that lens, the other stuff, and, and I've got the tough stuff in there too that I went through, but when I put the tough stuff up against the blessing stuff, it's so insignificant. And I start to realize that even through some of that tough stuff, God was good. God was incredibly good. And I want to challenge you because I think we forget this. I think we forget God has been incredibly good to me. And I, as a Christian, demonstrating the fruit of the Spirit, can show goodness to those around me as well. And I can be a good person. I can be a type of person that people step back and go, you know what, I don't know what it is about them, but they're a good person. I like them. I don't like what they, all that stuff they talk about, but I like them because they're good people. Right? Remember that term? Everybody remember that? Oh, you know, so-and-so. Yep, they're good people. I, maybe we need to bring them back. Could that be said of us as a congregation? You know what? Those people at Holly Springs, they're a little off, but you know what? They're good people. They're good people. And that's what we want said. Um, last thing is this. Is that not this the ultimate goal of our lives? Two passages. Paul comes to the end of his life, 
2 Timothy chapter 4, last chapter, of the, the last chapter of the Bible he writes. I've fought the good fight. I've kept the faith. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Paul comes to the end of it and says, you know what? It's been a struggle. But I, it's been a good struggle. It's been a good fight. And I didn't quit. I hung in there. Jesus, when he's teaching, teaches this parable. And one of the things that he talks about in this parable is a servant and a master thing. And it talks about the idea of his master replies, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll make you a ruler over many is how the passage goes on. This idea of good is what ultimately we'll want to hear from God, is it not? You have fought a good fight. Well done, my good and faithful servant. This idea of goodness goes a whole lot bigger than you and I think about in the Bible. And that's my challenge to you this week. Is, first of all, for you to step back and look at how good God has been to you. You you don't know what's happened to me. You don't know what I'm going through right now. You don't know. Put it in context of the whole. Don't allow Satan to get you to zero in on those specific things where like I say, even the psalmist was able to say, you know what, in the difficult times, I think God was good even in the difficult times because that's how I got to draw close to him. Don't let him do that to you. Don't let him get you to the point that you're questioning whether or not God loves you or cares about you or is good to you. That's, I don't know where that thing is, that's his trap. And it's a dangerous trap to get in. Because the next thing you know, before you realize it, you're bitter and angry at God who has been so good and gracious and merciful and kind and loving towards you. And the second idea is this. Who are you going to be good to this week? Who are you going to show the goodness of God to in the way that you live your life? Because I think, that's, I think the world needs to see Them's good people. Because we're in a world that is so self-centered and so self-focused that the idea of somebody being good to somebody else without getting something in return is foreign. And I just want to challenge you. So I wrap it up this morning with this idea. God is a good God. Everything about his creation was good. And goodness is a characteristic of his actions towards his creation. We need to focus on the goodness of God to us so that we can reflect that goodness in our actions every day. God is good. So we need to be good people who reflect his character every single day. Let's pray. Lord, help us. Use us. Lord, it's so easy sometimes to focus on our struggles and our problems. It's so easy, Lord, to focus on when difficulty comes or when displeasure comes our way or when things don't turn out the way we think they should turn out. Lord, it's so easy to question whether or not you are good to us, whether you love us, whether you 